I want to share with you this morning, if you'll stand with me all over the room, I'm going to read the same scripture that I read last week, uh, starting into this series, and share the second part uh, of this Christmas sermon series with you, and then we'll wrap it up on Christmas Eve. Luke chapter 2 and verse 12, I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. This morning I want to preach part two of Unwrap the Gift. And today I want to talk about hope and help. Is anybody thankful for hope and help this morning? Amen. If you will, one more time, pray with me and for me. Father, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for this Christmas season and your son Jesus that we celebrate this morning. Father, I pray that for the next few moments you would remove every uh, distraction, everything that would hinder us or prohibit us from hearing and receiving your word. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint my lips of clay, that I would not speak with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but that, Lord, I would deliver your word today and that your word would come forth in the demonstration of your spirit and with power. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive what you are speaking to us today. And, Lord, above everything this morning, I pray that there would be more more today that leave this place yet again with hope and help. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated this morning. If you didn't get to be here last week, I encourage you to go back on the live stream archive and, and, and watch the service, listen to the message, or do the Weekly Word podcast if you just want to catch up on the message. Last week, uh, we talked about part one, which I'll wrap up in just a minute, but we're talking about unwrapping the gift. And when it comes to gifts, no matter how well you wrap it up, even if this great amount of time and effort is spent in presenting and preparing the perfect package, most of the attention is not focused on the wrapping. Most of the attention is focused on what's on the inside uh, of the package is what that counts. So over the next um, today, last week, today, and, and Christmas Eve, because I won't be preaching next week, uh, during this Christmas season, as we, I want us to together unwrap the greatest gift that has ever been given, and I want us to stop and consider how this gift was wrapped up. We're going to look at those things. Last week we talked about how that he was wrapped with humanity and humility. And today I want us to consider two other things that he was wrapped in, and that's hope and help. Go with me, if you will, they'll have it on the screen, to Matthew chapter 12, beginning with verse 14. I'm going to be reading in the New International Version. The word said, But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Of course, we fast-forwarded in his life. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place, and a large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. He warned them not to tell others about him. And this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Now he's going to quote Isaiah's prophecy. Verse 18. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name, the nations will put their what? Hope. 
Now let's go to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27. Paul said, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in who? What is he? The hope of glory. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The prophet Paul, the prophet Isaiah, and the apostle Paul make it clear that Jesus was wrapped in hope. Against this backdrop of legalism, against rules and laws and religious systems, that led to bondage. Can I tell you today that even in church, our legalism, our rules, our laws, if you will, and our religious systems lead to nothing but bondage. Somebody help me preach this morning. That's the way it was when Jesus came. And two, against that backdrop, God sends his one and only son, the baby in a manger, is wrapped in humanity, he's wrapped in humility, and he's also wrapped in hope. Now, we know that he's the hope of the world. We know that. However, the problem is that because of the wrappings that he was wrapped in, the flesh of any other ordinary man, uh, that humanity that he was wrapped in, the fact that he came from a small town in a very common setting, from a very poor family, all of that humility that he was wrapped in, guess what happened? They failed to recognize the hope that had landed right in their laps. The world failed to recognize the hope that had landed right in their laps. The Word tells us that he came to his own. But his own did not even recognize him. Why didn't they recognize him? Hope was missed because hope was hidden in unexpected wrappings. Let me say that again. Hope was missed because hope was hidden in unexpected wrappings. See, they were expecting a conquering king. They were expecting a political power. They were expecting a militant force. They were expecting a great fighter instead of a friend and a lover. However, he was hidden as a carpenter's son. He was hidden as a quiet, ordinary boy, too much like any other child around them. So they missed hope because hope was hidden. But they also missed hope because their hope was misplaced. Their hope was misplaced in a desire for physical freedom only. Are you with me this morning? Misplaced in a desire for national freedom. They were misplaced in a desire for political domination. Does it sound anything like the world that we're living in today? They weren't even looking for spiritual freedom. And guess what? Most of them did not even know they needed spiritual freedom for themselves. Much like the world we live in today. Most of them don't even know the spiritual freedom that they need for themselves. So I ask 
this important question today. Do they recognize the hope that is supposed to be wrapped in you? Let me ask that again. Do they, outside the four walls of this church, the people you come into contact with on the daily, do they recognize the hope that's supposed to be wrapped in you? See, I believe that we are combating the same two issues today that Jesus experienced when he was here. The first issue was that hope was hidden. See, the father wraps hope in a baby in a manger. But according to that passage of Scripture that I just read to you by the Apostle Paul, according to him, we are part of the secret plan of God, which is that he wraps Christ Jesus in humanity. Hope this morning is no longer wrapped in a baby in a manger. We celebrate that baby in the manger this morning. We reminisce that baby in the manger this morning. But hope is no longer wrapped in a baby in a manger. Instead, the hope of Christ is now wrapped inside you and inside me. But the issue is, church, if we are not careful, we will hide hope. We will camouflage hope. There's too many secret service agents in the church today. What do you mean, Pastor? You love to come to church. You enjoy the worship. You might even like the preaching. You like what you feel. But you're in the secret service. Nobody outside, everybody here recognizes you. But nobody outside these walls recognizes the hope that's supposed to be placed on the inside of you. It's time the people of God come out of the secret service and we show the world the hope that they need. They don't even recognize the spiritual freedom that they need themselves. Prophecy said that Jesus' name would bring hope to the nations or to the Gentiles. Then Jesus gets wrapped in us. So we can conclude that if this world around us is going to find hope, they will only find that hope if it isn't hidden by those of us who are holding it. We must allow people to see the hope that is in us. We can look back at the account in the Word. We discussed it last week. Jesus was born into imperfect surroundings. Jesus was born into less than ideal situations. Jesus was not born with pomp and circumstance or a silver spoon in his mouth. He was born in humility. And he teaches us that hope is best seen against the backdrop of hurt. Somebody help me preach this morning. Hope, if it's inside of us, hope will come out of us and it will come out of disguise when we find ourselves in the midst of difficulty. Hope is uncovered in the uncomfortable times in our lives. In the middle of the struggle, 
In the middle of the devastation, I wish somebody would help me preach up in here today. In the middle of the destruction that the enemy is trying to wreak havoc on our life. In the middle of the pain we may be facing. In the middle of the trouble. And even in the middle of death. We react and respond differently. Because this book tells me we don't mourn like those who don't have hope. We've got hope. This morning, Paul said it like this in Romans chapter 5, verse 3. He said, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. When was the last time that you knew somebody to glory in their sufferings? Most Pentecostals I know, if they're suffering, the whole world knows they're suffering. It's my turn to preach against us this morning. Can I do that? We're too emotional when it comes to the things we're going through. I grew up hearing testimonies, or they were so called that, where people got up and said, the devil's been on my back all week. They'd give more glory to the devil than they did God. Listen to me this morning. Hope should come out differently in us. Paul said we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. This is good. Y'all that like sports, preach this to your ball team. Suffering produces perseverance. I don't want to run another lap. I don't want to lift weights. Suffering produces perseverance. It's the same way in the spiritual. Perseverance produces character. Somebody help me preach this morning. That's why we don't let our kids quit when they start something. Perseverance produces character. And character, guess what it produces? Hope. And hope does not put us to shame Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. So i got to ask you this morning, how have you responded to the betrayal in your life? How have you responded to the debt? How have you responded to the diagnosis? How have you responded... To the divorce? How have you responded to the rebellion of your own children? How have you responded to the mistreatment that, yes, maybe you have been subjected to? How have you responded to the denial? And I hope, as the church, we respond differently than the world does to injustice. Let me tell you something. As the children of God, our responses either unwrap hope or they completely hide it. The way we respond either unwraps hope or it completely hides it. Do hopeless people find hope because of you? And better yet, do they even know That you have hope. Hope hidden. I also want to talk about hope that is misplaced. 
See, the people of Jesus' day, they missed the hope that was wrapped in Jesus because their hope was misplaced. Even though everything about Jesus' birth fulfilled the scriptures that they held so dear, even to this day, they couldn't recognize him because they had misplaced their hope. Could it be, could it possibly be that people still miss Jesus because his followers have misplaced their hope? See, residing and alive inside of us is the hope of the world. The scripture says the hope of glory. Another scripture, the hope of heaven. Listen, I don't care what's going on in the world. We have the hope of his return. We have the hope of healing. Isaiah said, by his stripes you were healed. That means it's already done. You've got that hope in his word. Yet too many of us misplace our hope. Listen, when you need hope, get the word of God inside of you. Too many of us place our hope in jobs or in companies. We place our hope in houses and automobiles that we can't afford. Jesus, take the car payment. I got the wheel. Right? We have hope, but yet we place our hope in people. We place our hope in men and women. And I hope none of us are dumb enough. Yes, I'm going to use that word. To place our hope in celebrities. Because most of the people that I know are famous are famous for a reason. And most of the time it's not a reason that we should all be real proud about. There's a few that are famous otherwise, but most of them, no. We place our hope in our own talents, our own abilities. We place our hope in 401Ks. I was one that stayed at the bank. I kept saying, God, if you'll let me get to this number, I'll leave the bank and go to the church. Let me get to this number, my 401K. I'm just, can I be transparent with you this morning? Can I be human? Let me tell you, God laughed at me. He said, ha, ha, ha. He got me to that number. I was like, that's my answer. I've been praying, put out a fleece, all that good stuff. Gave my notice in February, gave him, or January, gave him two months to get somebody hired. Left March 31st. I had that number in there. And I don't know, sometime about the middle of 2022, I lost about 27% of it. God was like, ha ha, where's your hope? We place our hope in the wrong things instead of trusting God. We place our hope in, some people do, in politicians and policies. Listen to me this morning. I don't care which side of the aisle you sit on. I'm not going to try to make anybody mad or run them off. 
because of which side of the aisle you sit on. And I have no idea if it's relevant or not this morning, whether you're on the right or the left. Can I tell you this morning, though, it doesn't matter? I've seen it on both sides. I don't care what you think. Both sides lie. Both sides cheat. Both sides try to hide stuff. Both sides try to mudsling. Both sides, nobody's helping me this morning. Both sides slander. Both sides gossip. Both sides do things that God's word says God don't like. Don't place your hope in politicians. I'm not really worried about who's in the White House. I'll do my due diligence to try to get the, the one that I think should be there. But it's always a choice between the lesser of two evils. Anybody with me this morning? I'm not worried. I'm not worried about who's in the governor's mansion. Hear me this morning. My hope is not in kings and princes and rulers. My hope is in the one that sets them up and brings them down. I realize that the, there's a financial expert that I follow sometimes. And it's not Dave Ramsey. And it, I'm nothing against Dave Ramsey, but... He's a smart aleck Christian if I've ever met one. Actually, I've never met him, but anyway. But the financial expert, his name is Gene, Jim Grant. And I realized he was speaking about financial things when he said this. But I want you to listen to what he said. He said, hope sustains life. But misplaced hope, that's what I was Googling, was misplaced hope when I found this. Misplaced hope prolongs recessions. I was like, oh, Jim Grant said that. Let me say it again. Hope sustains life. But misplaced hope prolongs recessions. If you know anything about what a recession is, the same thing could be said about the spiritual condition of the people around us. The same thing could be said about the people that you've lifted your hands before that you said were lost in your family that you, you've been praying for. The same thing can be said that our misplaced hope, our misplaced hope, extends those seasons of spiritual recessions in those around us and also in us. Listen, how many people remain in depression because they don't recognize the hope that's supposed to be in you? How many people... Remain in anxiety because they don't recognize the hope that's supposed to be placed in you. How many people give up because they see the one who's supposed to have placed their hope in him, but then that one has a huge moral failure that lets everybody down. Don't place your hope in nobody but Jesus, but if you'll place your hope in him, you'll never be disappointed. Our hope has to be properly positioned in Him and Him alone. So instead of going around singing, all I want for Christmas, and misplacing our hope on stuff that does not matter, I said stuff that does not matter. Instead of doing that, maybe we ought to go back to the old song and sing, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood. Anybody know that one? And righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I'll wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Our hope 
is in Him. And during this Christmas season, folks, it's crucial that we make sure that our hope is in Him alone. It's absolutely essential that we quit hiding hope that is in us. In fact, my prayer is the same of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. Here's what he said. He said, may the God of what? Hope. Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with what? Hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The hope that is in us must be unwrapped. Leave that scripture on the screen for just a minute. Why didn't Paul, please, why didn't Paul pray, may you overflow with money. May you overflow with health. May you overflow with success. May you overflow with fame. Because it's in the midst of and contrasted against Lack, sickness, failure, and forgottenness. Right in the middle of that is when our hope, when placed on and rooted in Jesus, should be on full and bright display. The hope that's inside us, our yet, yells hope. Our hold on, yells hope. Our consistency. What's that mean, preacher? That means when you're going through it and when you don't feel like it, you go to church anyway. Our consistency communicates hope. Our unfaltering, unwavering, unrelenting hope in Him preaches. Your life preaches a sermon. And it provides a glimmer of hope to those around us that are hopeless. Listen, I want to encourage you today. Have hope, but make sure you share hope. You yourself may be facing the toughest season and the hardest test and trial of your life. But if you have Jesus deep inside of you, there's hope. If you have Jesus deep inside of you, there's hope. You can face suffering You can face sacrifice and you can face setbacks with hope. And while doing so, you know what you do? You give hope to others that are around you. I thought this week about a young man that I became acquainted with many years ago at the Barberville Pentecostal Youth Camp. His name was Ryan Smith. He was diagnosed. Actually, his wife was a member of the youth group at a church Angie and I were at for many years. And they have two beautiful boys His wife, Noelle, is from Williamsburg. She was Noelle Wilson. Her husband, Ryan, got diagnosed this summer with cancer. And I communicated with Ryan some and and a message on on Facebook. And then uh, I commented on his stuff as well. And we were praying. He was praying. Everybody was praying. And let me tell you something. Ryan let this world see the hope that was in him. He shined a light like maybe, maybe unlike what I think I've ever seen, to be honest with you, in the midst of what he was in. His brother even told the story about how he's an avid sports fan and how after watching a ball game in his room at the hospital, they put on some background music while they were talking and a certain song came on and he said, oh, I love this song, and just raised his hands and began to worship the Lord. And this past week, at the age of 38 years old, Ryan went on home to be with Jesus. Left two young boys and a young wife, 
here in this earth to navigate this world without him. And he's with Jesus. But you know what I thought about? As sad and as devastating as that is, I have read literally multiple posts and comments about people, how people have never seen somebody walk through what Ryan walked through with such grace and dignity, and his hope was always in Jesus. You know what? Abby says it sometimes to be funny, but it's so true. She'll say, don't threaten me with heaven. You hear me? See, if we could just get a, a, a reality of that in our minds this morning, when you get that diagnosis, if the worst thing the devil can do is threaten you with heaven, he don't even know what he's done. I said he don't even know what he's done. We can't be threatened with heaven. Maybe we want to be here to be with our families, yes, but our hope is not in this world. This life is not what I'm living for. My hope is in heaven, and God will escort us one of these days right into the paradise of God if our hope, whoo, I feel the Lord this morning, if our hope is placed in him. Check your hope level this morning. Who or what is your hope in? And lastly, he was wrapped in help. I want us to go to Isaiah chapter 53. I want to read verses 1 through 10, but I want to read this from the message translation because if you're a new convert or you find it difficult to understand the Bible, sometimes go to the message translation. It's one of the best translations you can ever go to for just easy, simple reading. But listen to what it says. This is the prophet Isaiah speaking. He said, Who believes what we've heard and seen? Who would have thought that God's saving power would look like this? The servant, Isaiah was prophesying hundreds of years before Christ was born. The servant grew up before God. A scrawny seedling. A scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him. Nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on, passed over. A man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him, and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pains he carried. Our disfigurements. All the things that were wrong with who? Us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sins that did that to him. That ripped and tore and crushed him. Our sins. He took the punishment. And that made us whole. Through his bruises we get healed. We're all like sheep who have wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing. Gone our own way. And God has piled all of our sins. Everything we've done wrong on him. And he said it again for emphasis. On him. He was beaten. He was tortured, but he didn't say a word. Like a lamb taken to be slaughtered and like a sheep being sheared, he took it all in silence. Justice miscarried, and he was led off. And did anyone really know what was happening? He died without a thought for his own welfare. Beaten bloody for the sins of my people. They buried him with the wicked. Threw him in the grave with a rich man. Even though he'd never hurt a soul or said one word that wasn't true. Watch this. Still. 
It's what God had in mind all along. To crush him with pain. The plan was that he gave himself as an offering for sin. So that he'd see life come from it. Life, life, and more life. And God's plan will deeply prosper through him. Hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. Hundreds of years before this account that we tend to glamorize and celebrate and reminisce of his birth. The prophet Isaiah gives us a glimpse of Jesus' job description. And in doing so, he makes it abundantly clear that Jesus was wrapped in help. His prophecy informs us that Jesus was wrapped in two kinds of help. And this is the last that I have this morning. The first kind of help is healing help. Isaiah says that Jesus will be bruised for our healing. He will be beaten for our brokenness. The prophet Micah, I don't have time to read it, but he comes along behind Isaiah and he declares that Jesus will rise with healing in his wings. And that is the reality that the woman with the issue of blood experienced in her life because she pressed through the crowd. And when she pressed through the crowd, she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, very likely taking hold of one of the corners of Jesus' prayer shawl. And do you know what those were called? Wings. He rises with healing in his wings. And she grabs a hold of the corner of Jesus' prayer shawl. And she discovers that Jesus has the power to help us with healing. See, Jesus knew this about himself when in Luke he repeats Isaiah's prophecy that he was on the scene to bring recovery of sight to the blind. That's healing. He came not to just be a deliverer, but he also came to be a doctor. He's the great physician. He was wounded, this book says, for our healing. By his stripes, we have help for healing. And the writer of Hebrews says that we have a high priest that has been touched by even the feelings of our infirmities. He knows what it is about the sickness. The good news is today that if you need healing, Jesus can help with healing. Can I get a witness? If he couldn't do it, I wouldn't be standing here preaching you a message today. I'd already be in heaven or I'd be preaching on a prosthetic leg. But I came to tell you this morning, Jesus can help with healing. And my thought is, his word tells us, by his stripes we are healed. Then we go over to the New Testament in the book of James. And James said, is there any sick among you? If there is, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he's committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. That's the word of God. Then I turn over and listen. You need to stop listening to the medical report that the doctor give you. Let it go in your ear. Process it. But don't dwell on it. I said don't dwell on it. Don't put your hope in it. 
Don't put your trust in it. Don't put your confidence in it. Instead, get the word of God in you. The word that said, by his stripes you are healed. The word that says, let him call for the elders of the church. The word that says, "He, why do you need the word in me, pastor? Because there's another passage of scripture that said, he sent forth his word and healed them. Get the word of God in you. I'm thankful that in his quest to save us from our sins, Jesus didn't overlook our bodies. Healing was provided for us in the atonement. And secondly, sin help. The prophet talks about two kinds of human sufferings in his prophecy. He says that this baby will be born to take our pain. One version says that he came to bear our suffering. Listen, he's equipped to handle our pain. Pain. It isn't qualified. It doesn't tell us what kind of pain. There's different kinds of pain. There's relationship pain. There's emotional pain. There's family-caused pain. Somebody talk to me. There's friend-caused pain. And then, I can't leave this one out, there's self-inflicted pain. It doesn't specify which kind of pain. He simply says pain. Listen, Jesus has the ability to handle your pain. David's statement about God is fleshed out in Jesus. In one psalm, he tells us that he's close to those who are brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. And in another, he says God's a very present help in the time of trouble. Is your life wrapped in pain this morning? Some kind of pain? The good news is you can encounter one who's wrapped in help. Your pain is no match for the presence or the power of God. He can take your pain and help you overcome your pain. Some of y'all have pain from addictions. Oh, we're in the church, Pastor. I know where we are. Some of y'all have pain from addictions. He can take your pain. He can take your pain. He can help you overcome your pain. And then he'll help you forget about your pain. But there's another kind of suffering, and I'm done. This suffering is even more severe, and it's a worse enemy than pain. This suffering's called sin. See, pain can hurt us momentarily. But sin, on the other hand, can destroy us for all eternity. The prophet declares that this baby that would be born would be wrapped in help. And the truth is that he was born for one purpose. We celebrate the Christmas season, which is his birth, but we must remember that he was born for one purpose. He was born solely so that he could die. That's the sole reason he was born. Why? Because without his death... We're not only hopeless, but we're also helpless. Paul said it this way, the wages of sin is death. There's no exceptions to that. No negotiations. Our sin simply produces death. That's the way it is. He then goes on to say we fall short of the glory of God. Listen this morning. I don't care how holy you may think you are, there's no way you can reach God on your own. 
There's no way you can impress God with how good you are. Somebody that may be feeling not so good needs to hear me say that. Don't worry about not being able to impress God because you're not good. No matter how good you might be, you still can't impress God. There's no way that you can change the guilty verdict. The Bible said, like sheep, we have all, say that, that includes you. We have all gone astray. We've all gone our own direction. But listen, the greatest news that you can hear two weeks before Christmas Eve is that He took the punishment that can make us whole. God piled all of our sins, everything we've done wrong on Him. And listen to me this morning. Listen to me. Regardless of how much sin you might be wrapped in this morning, He's wrapped in help. Paul said the wages of sin is death, but he goes on to say, what am I preaching? Unwrap the what? But he says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, Jesus can help with sin. You need to unwrap the gift this morning. It's a free gift. All you have to do is choose it. You need to unwrap the gift this morning. As they come to the music, I want to tell you, we should never stop praying for those that need help. I said we should never stop praying for those that need help. I will not, it's not, it's not, but I'm going to preface this statement with that, but I would never, I will not tolerate this church to ever become a church that gets put out with people because they're still struggling with their sin problem. Let me say that again. I didn't say we'll put them in positions or put them on the platform or put them. I didn't say any of that. But I will never tolerate for this church because, listen, if you don't think they're out there, they're out there. A church, to become a church that gets put out with people and wore out with people and done with people because they're still struggling with their sin problem. Because I got news for you this morning. We think there's some kinds of levels of sin that go on. And we like to categorize it and think that, oh, that's just awful. Oh, that's horrible. Then we talked about this in my class, and then we disguise it with a prayer request by going to somebody else and say, pray for so-and-so. Did you know they're blah, 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 blah? Well, we found out in our study in my class, God considers that gossip. You might disguise it as a prayer request, but that's gossip and slander. Some of y'all wasn't in my class. You ain't helping me preach. That's gossip and slander. God don't like it. So guess what? The only difference between them and their sin problem is they realize they've got a problem. But what about you? What about you? Don't ever stop praying for people that need help. Jesus declares about himself in John 8, and I didn't give them this scripture. He's the light of the world. That's a picture of his ability to help. Because against the backdrop of darkness, hopelessness, brokenness, sinfulness, and despair, light has come. Many times at Christmas as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we need to realize it's such a privilege to celebrate his birth. But that privilege also becomes a responsibility. It becomes a responsibility. Because there are those 
around us who also need to see the help that's available through the light that you say you have. See, many times at Christmas, and we don't have any plans to do this this year. We've done them before, and I absolutely love them. Anybody love a good candlelight service? I love them. We don't have any plans to do that this year, but many times at Christmas, we'll, if you've ever been to one, we take a candle, we light the candle, and we think that's, some people just think that's something that we do because it's the Christmas season, and you're supposed to do that. But the reason that we light a candle is because it's supposed to remind us of our encounter with Jesus. No light, no fire. But then when we encounter Jesus, we have a burning candle. And then in those services, we take our candle and we touch the unlit candle of the person next to us. I wish somebody would help me preach this morning. Somebody whose candle has no light and no fire. And we take our candle and we light that candle. And then once that happens, it's a magical thing. That person takes their candle and they turn to the person next to them who has no light and no fire and they light their candle. And before you know it, you look around the room that was once dark. But all of a sudden, there's light burning in every corner of the room. Why? Because he's the light of the world. It's a privilege to celebrate him at Christmas. But we also have a responsibility to share that light with somebody around us. Stand with me all over the room this morning. I'm so glad today that we serve a God that's wrapped in humanity. There's not a single thing that we'll ever go through in this world that He doesn't understand or that He can't relate to. I'm also glad that it doesn't matter this morning what situation you might have been born into or maybe found yourself in at some point in your life. In your environment, past or present, does not have to dictate your destiny. I said your environment, past or present, does not have to dictate your destiny. Jesus, too, was wrapped in humility, but it didn't change the fact of who he was. And I'm so thankful that he was wrapped in hope. Because without him, we have nothing. But with him, we have everything. But it's our responsibility to share this hope with others so I ask you this morning I'm also thankful that he was wrapped in help he is our help because of him we can share that help with others so I ask you this question this morning is your life today your life is it wrapped in hope and help when other people look at you can they see a way out of their troubles? Because they see the hope and the help of God that's living inside of you. Is it evident in your life? And then, are you sharing that hope with others around you this Christmas? The best thing you can do this Christmas is not make sure that you buy everything on the high dollar list that somebody's given you. Those things are fine in their place and we do them at my house. 
But the best thing, the greatest gift you can give somebody else this Christmas is somebody who seems hopeless and helpless. And you just share a little bit of the light, of the hope and help of God that's living inside of you. Unwrap the gift and re-gift it to somebody this Christmas season.